1: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter wonderful pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch. And the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, wonderful pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them.
3: Is the herd, wherever you may be and however you may be making this part of your day. I'm Doug Gottlieb, in for Colin Cowherd. We'll get you updated this hour on the possibility or even likelihood of Jonathan Taylor becoming a Miami Dolphin. I can only tell you as the resident Charger fan who opens up with the Dolphins. After last year where, you know, outside of Tyreek Hill, Dolphins could do nothing with the Chargers. Like that deal to get done after week one. but That's my, we get it done after week one. Um, ben Bolin will join us later on this hour. Uh, we will get you ready for this weekend's college football games. Real college football games being played, including uh, Colin Coward. There's no... I don't have this, I don't have this, um, it's not proven, right? It's more accusations, but Colin has today off, and it was a, it was a late day off. I, I don't know if he's tailgating for the SC game, um, or if he's, I think he took the day off to worship at the altar of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, but I'm, I'm just not sure. I didn't know it was a day-long process leading up to San Jose State. I know for the bigger games on the schedule, it's a possibility. Music, Tui, do we have any sort of update on if that's in fact the case?
4: If I, that's in fact the case? You know, I can neither confirm nor deny, nor deny um, but there is certainly a possibility that that's true.
3: Find somebody who loves you like Colin Cowherd loves Lincoln Riley. That's, I th- right? That's a that's when I scroll through my Instagram uh, reels, that actually pops up often. Pops up often. Um Something really fascinating happened in Major League Baseball this week. And when you say, dude, come on, it's football season. I got it. But Shohei Otani was a once in every generation player. And when I say was, you're like, wait a second, dude. He's not retiring. He's not dead. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to play more baseball. True. He's already suffered one. UCL tear that ended up uh, costing him to miss like a year and a half pitching. And uh, he had Tommy John surgery and he's come back last year. He was an elite pitcher this year. He had not been nearly as elite pitching and missed his next to last start with what was called a dead arm. And then turns out he's got a partial tear of his UCL or at least a partial tear of his UCL, the ulnar collateral ligament, which, of course, is the one that they repair when you have Tommy John surgery. So, look, this has been, there's a lot of franchises that have suffered through bad years, bad seasons, bad decades. I would say in terms of bad months, you can't get a worse month than what's happened to the Angels. They're playing, after Mike Trout got hurt, they went through a long losing streak, then they figured it out, started winning some games. And after deciding to not trade Shohei Ohtani, really where the dam broke was they lost a four-game series, lost every game in a four-game series to the Mariners. And game one was they had their closers, had a good season, give up a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning, lose by two runs. The rest were, they were all games they should have won, rightfully should have won, and did not. And they've been in collapse mode since. They went two weeks without winning a game in August. It's been an abject, and even with Mike Trout back now, now you have the news of Shohei Ohtani. He will not pitch the rest of the year. So, what was possibly looking like a dream comeback season, make the playoffs, and then hope Shohei decides to stay? Now this season feels like it's ending in nightmare fashion as they open up a three-game set with the Mets at City Field today. But what if there's this possibility that because? I don't know what Shohei Otani... No, what's Shohei Otani's value now? The working rumor in Los Angeles and in Major League Baseball was he's going to be a Dodger. Right, He's going to be a Dodger. And the thought was, if the Dodgers pay him 60 a year, you know, for 10 years, $600 million, that contract pays for itself. You're like, how? Well, the largest population of... Uh, Japanese people in the United States in one city is in Los Angeles. Um, So between the English broadcast and the network that they own and run and between all the work that they will do in the Japanese community and in Japan, like it was like, you know, we'll, we'll overpay 60 million plus. Like he's the real deal. He's the modern day Babe Ruth and maybe even better. And oh yeah, by the way, he's still at least tracking on pace to compete with and maybe break the all-time home run mark, and by the way, the all-time home run mark is not Barry Bonds. It's it's is the dumbest discussion anyone's ever had. Is like, does your SAT score count when you cheated? No. So why would we? Why do we count a home run record when it was when the guy was on steroids? You wouldn't, right? It was Roger Maris, and then Roger Maris was passed by uh, Aaron Judge last year. So sixty-two is the number, and he could break that. But the number was supposedly in the 600 million variety. Well, okay. There's, there's two parts to it. First thing is, and this has been said previously, I think Dan Patrick said it this week. I've said it previously. I've heard Major League Baseball. The, the, the one downside to Shohei Ohtani is when he gets hurt, you don't just lose a position player. You lose a top line starting pitcher. Right? It's like a, yes, he can help you in both spots, but he can hurt you in both spots. Now, the Angels this year, they're going to keep moving forward with him just as a hitter. But what is the value of an elite hitter? And he may become, far and away, the best hitter in Major League Baseball if he doesn't ever pitch again. There is the possibility, maybe even likelihood, he doesn't pitch again. In order to pitch again, I think he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery again. He's going to have to have it fixed. Going to have to go through rehab. And then, how good will he be? Is it worth it to go through all that when he's already a great hitter? And I, I, I don't know about his level of competency in playing in the field. Sorry, throwing a baseball, not, but he was, he had all five tools. So I, I guess the way I look at it is this is an opportunity for the Angels. Because even though they held on to him and tried to show the old loyalty face. And you can sit there and say, hey, I know, I know we haven't made the playoffs with you on our roster. And how many times have you seen a box score, seen the highlights where Otani and Trout, you know, hit home runs, do great things, and they still lose. Right now, if you're already Miranda, you would say, hey, look, whatever deal we propose to you, we're going to propose to you again. We don't care that you're injured. You're one of our guys. We want to see you rehab. We're here for you. We hope you come back and pitch. If you don't, you're still worth it to us. music you've been an angel fan is that a is that a crazy way to look at it with it's been a disastrous month and they've how many disastrous contracts have they had <laughs> Several. but this is one but this is one of their own and you know whether you want to say i it's, it's not altruism it, but it is loyalty if you say hey look same deal that we proposed still good we still
4: want you Uh, Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see that being the Angels' game plan. And perhaps, to your point, it would be the best way forward, considering it seemed like it was signed, sealed, and delivered that he was walking out that door and heading to greener pastures where they could actually sustain significant wins and have meaningful games heading into September of the season, which Shohei Otani has not had since his time with the Angels. So, yeah, look, if you're Artie Moreno and... The only thing you care about is keeping him in a, new, in a uniform, then offering him the same deal regardless of circumstance and what we know about his elbow thus far is going to be your best shot at being able to achieve that for sure.
3: Yeah, I, I think um, I, I I think this is this is interesting to me as well. Is what if he doesn't resign with the Angels? If that doesn't what? How do you structure a deal? Right? How? What is it? What happens to his value? I mean, I, you know, we've seen this with a lot of different guys in Major League Baseball where their values kind of fluctuate based upon the timing of everything. Ronald Acuna Jr., who might, might be the best player in the sport now, um, or the best hitter in the sport, whatever. Um, he signed a deal, and it's going to be, he's going to be wildly underpaid. Even now he's underpaid, but as he goes on in this contract, he's going to be wildly underpaid. But he took the money early, and he's set. You know, then you look at, you know, the Padres and the move that they made to go out and get a guy who, uh, in Juan Soto, who's you know reportedly turned down four hundred million dollars from the Nationals, and Juan Soto has had a good second half of the year. He's now hit twenty-four home runs, scores three point eight. Like he's a good young baseball player, okay? But and his his OBP is right at four hundred. But he doesn't steal a lot of bases. That's really valuable now in baseball. It's not like he's spectacular in the field. He doesn't have a great arm. That's really more valuable in baseball. The sport has changed some, even though he's the same guy and having a really good second half of the season. I don't think he'll ever see that $400 million. We could say the same thing about Shohei Otani. Like what, is, what does he see? How much money do you pay him? Knowing he's an incredible hitter and there's the possibility that he only focuses on hitting and he's the best hitter in baseball. He's gigantic. He's fast. Um, if he plays in the field, he's a very good outfielder, takes good angles. But what, what's that value to you in comparison to at 29 years old, in comparison to what the value was when he was the top line pitcher as well? Tui proposed, and mostly because he's an Astro fan, which means he's one of the Cretans of the earth kidding to it Sort of. Um, <laughs> you don't what if he kidding. never pitches again? Which is a distinct possibility. Like, what if he just shut? like, you can't do it? I mean, I just think that it's like, at this point, the way he's going being a two-way player, it's breaking down his body, and he's 29 years old. I mean, what's wrong with being an amazing position player, a triple ca- crown candidate every year, and, and that's it? And as you proposed, maybe being a spot pitcher here and there. Like, I just don't see why that's why teams would force him or push him to still play um, both ways at this point in his career after what he's gone through now. Uh, I think and, and part of it is I, I was reading, I was doing a bunch of reading last night and apparently the, the Angels were the ones holding back his workload for a long time. And when he came to the Angels, there was that. That's why they do the six man rotation to alleviate some of the workload. But Shohei Otani is the one who pushed to pitch more. And, um, you know, he's really behind the science of it and and all that's great. But I'm with you like his body has said no go twice. And I don't know what that looks like. I, I don't know. We all also have this belief in our head, which is not doesn't really equate to the data that guys that have Tommy John surgery come back better than ever and then never reinjure themselves, right? Isn't that, isn't that the working philosophy that we all have? I mean, when you when you hear a guy goes down with, with Tommy John surgery, most of us think, all right, he'll be back in a year, he'll be back to his normal self in a year and a half, and in two years, he'll probably be better and he'll never hurt himself again. It's like we think they put in a bionic elbow. And the reality is that yeah, a good percentage of guys are actually better. And a high high percentage of them don't reinjure themselves. But he's the rare case where he has. Um I would I would love to see the the data on is it the workload or is it the torque he puts on the elbow that you know and the the, the variety of pitches he throws? Is it the mechanics of his body like what is it? But based upon results Greg, you are correct. Is that my, I mean, how much more do we need to see that his body can't hold up to it? than he's torn his UCLA, not once, but twice. And we're talking all in the last five years. Yeah. My, point, my point was yeah. that he doesn't need to prove anything else to us. We know yeah. he can do it. He's, he's shown us he can do it. Now it's just yeah. a matter of just let's extend your career and be, you know, one of the greatest players we've ever seen. Okay, and then for a Major League Baseball Club, what is the value to getting a great, uh, a great position player or a great DH as opposed to getting the greatest 2 way player in the history of the sport? Could the Dolphins make a play for Jonathan Taylor? What's the word around the league on Kenny Pickett and how legit he is? And oh yeah, by the way, oh yeah, by the way, who's the team we're not paying attention to, especially in the NFC that's going to make a run? We'll catch up with Ben and He covers the entire league. One more H.E.R.D.? The H.E.R.D. streams 24
2: hours a day, 7 days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search H.E.R.D. to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like.
1: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel? It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Hi, it's the Herd. The NBA playoffs are heating up. And so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's easy. 90 seconds. Use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's code HERD for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours.
0: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE and Y or text HOPE and Y 4673.
3: How do you own the day in sports? You make incredible plays. How do the rest of us own the day with Irish Spring? When the spring hits you, you're ready to own the day. So look for Irish Spring, your local retailer today. Doug Gottlieb in for Collins, the Hurt, Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app. Happy Football Friday to you, huh? Real football games on TV. you like, hey, you guys remember when we were? Back when I was a kid, they used to have that at first, the kickoff classic at East Rutherford, that old giant stadium. And the, the stadium was like half full. But I, that was the first time I saw. I remember, I think Mike Vick against Donovan McNabb, I want to say. I saw that one. I feel like Syracuse, Penn State, Virginia Tech, they used to play that early game a lot. We got great games next week, some decent ones this week. Uh, we'll get to those college games, give you some picks before the show. Expires. In the meantime, let's turn to the National Football League. Got a chance to see Kenny Pickett play and play well for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's talk of a Jonathan Taylor trade potentially in the works to Miami. Um, lots of comings and goings in the league. Let's welcome in Ben Bolin. He's from the Boston Globe. He's a senior NFL writer. He joins us in the herd. And Ben, let, let's start with the Jonathan Taylor situation, right? It's been uh, very public. The back and forth between Taylor and Ursay. You know, and then they said, "Hey, man, you want to find a trade partner? Go go for it." Looks like the Dolphins proposed a trade. Colts reportedly pushed back and said, "Now, not taking that deal." Uh, where do you where are you hearing the process is with Jonathan Taylor and a potential trade from the Colts?
6: Yeah, it sounds like uh, business has gotten personal for Taylor and the Colts, and it doesn't seem like Taylor appreciated some of Jim Irsay's comments. Uh, from earlier this training camp, and I don't think Ursa and the Colts appreciate uh, Taylor and and what he's seeking, and maybe the, the attitude that he's bringing to the table right now. And so it, it seems like it's it's gotten past the point of no return. And especially when you hear the reports that Jonathan Taylor, the, the Colts are setting a Tuesday deadline. Um, that's roster cutdown day as well. I'm guessing they're just trying to field offers and what they're just going to take the best one they can get um, by Tuesday. And Jonathan Taylor, it seems at this point, he just wants out of Indianapolis. Uh, he, he's going to be um, pretty disappointed if he thinks the Dolphins are going to step up with some big contract offer for him. It's just it's not going to happen. It, it, it's a tough situation where the, the Colts want a first-round pick and Taylor wants a, a big contract. And teams just don't pay really either of those for, for running backs these days. So I think the Colts are just trying to get what they can the Dolphins are just trying to, um, probably trying to slow play it and saying, here's our offer, take it or leave it. Sounds like, you know, probably nothing more than like a mid-round pick or, or mid-level trade value um, for a guy who's a potential superstar in Jonathan Taylor. But we, we've seen it where running backs just don't have the value, individual running backs don't have the value that, that other positions do. Um, so it, it seems like the and Taylor, everyone's just ready to move on the Colts are doing their best to get whatever they can for him. I'm not expecting much. And Taylor probably shouldn't expect much. If he does get a new contract, I don't think it's going to be some massive pay increase that he's seeking. That's just not what teams do for running backs these days. So um, the the Dolphins, they already have a lot of talent on that offense. You add Jonathan Taylor, that, that could make them even more dangerous. But if I'm the Dolphins, too, I'm also like, take it or leave it. Mike McDaniel's got a great system. They can create running backs with that system. They don't necessarily need Jonathan Taylor. So I think it's it, it would be something that would further enrich the Dolphins, but they don't necessarily need it to, to make their team complete. And to me, I just think the, the Colts and Taylors are the Colts and Taylor are ready for a divorce, and it, it's probably going to happen by Tuesday.
3: Yeah, I, I guess the, the question though is, if you trade for him, doesn't that mean that you're willing to pony up? Not
6: necessarily. It means you're willing to take on the player. And I, I think Jonathan Taylor has even said publicly, "Oh, I, I might be willing to take." you know, less money with a new team. I think he he sees the writing on the wall, too, that it's hard to ask for both. You know, if the Dolphins are going to be giving him a big contract, then they're not trading much more than a seventh-round pick. And the Colts, I mean, that's, that, that doesn't make the Colts happy. And if the Dolphins are giving up a first- or a second-round pick, they don't want to turn around and then spend $20 million on a running back, which we've seen time again cannot be a very good investment. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor is probably prepared for the fact that he's not going to get what he's seeking, but unfortunately, that's every running back this offseason. Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, none of these guys are getting paid what they think they deserve, and Jonathan Taylor is probably coming to that realization as well.
3: Ben Bolin from the Boston Globe. Joining us, I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is The Hurt on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. Um, okay, so then you, you look at the Niners and Trey Lance's third in the depth chart. Is he on the Niners after cut day?
6: I think he is, and, and John Lynch even said this week that the likeliest scenario is that Trey Lance is on the roster, and it's it's kind of the same dynamic teams that are going to be training for him, uh, you know you just want to give up like a seventh round pick for a developmental guy, whereas Trey Lance has guaranteed money still on his contract because he was the number three overall pick he He's got like six million dollars coming to him next year, which isn't a crazy amount, but for a guy who might be a total bust, most teams don't want to spend that uh you know on your third string quarterback. And if you're the Niners, you've invested so much, not only in draft capital, but just emotionally, you've staked a lot of your reputation to this guy. You don't want to just dump him for nothing. It, it, it's kind of the same dynamic that has kept Zach Wilson with the Jets this year. It's worth keeping him around just in case there's some crazy scenario where he has to play this year. Maybe he develops on the bench, Trey Lance or, or Zach Wilson. Maybe, maybe uh, you know time buried on the depth chart will do them good. Uh, but you know, it's hard, it's hard seeing the Niners getting a suitable trade offer for Trey Lance for a guy who just has not performed up to expectations in, in any way so far during his brief NFL career. So, you know, he's not exactly burning a hole in the 49ers pocket. So unless they just want to move on, be done with it, rip off the band aid, take a seventh round pick, you know, whatever meager trade, uh, you know, terms they can come up with. Maybe that happens, but. I think you're you're probably better off just keeping him for one more year. Who knows that the Niners have been so snake bitten at quarterback? Maybe they eventually need Trey Lance later this year, and something happens where he can get on the field. But I just I don't know how much value he has. The one team I could see would be the 49ers. Their general manager, uh, excuse me, the the Vikings. Their general manager came from the 49ers. They talked about Trey Lance. Those two teams back at the combine. And they don't have a great backup plan behind Kirk Cousins. So I could see the Vikings potentially being a, a, a landing spot for Trey Lance. But I still tend to think that the Niners are just going to hold on to him one more year this season, let him play it out, and then probably move on from it next year.
3: Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, watched the Steelers last night. A lot of NFL analysts are saying, man, I really like the Steelers. And you know, Kenny Pickett made some nice, some nice plays. What, what's the general sense that you hear around the league about Pickett and how people believe he fits in to what they're doing. Yeah, I think there's a
6: lot of promise and a lot of excitement over Kenny Pickett, and specifically just the Steelers in general. I don't know if Pickett is you know, viewed in the same light as like a Justin Herbert or a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow or anything like that, but he's got a couple of receivers in, in Deontay Johnson and George Pickens that I think a lot of quarterbacks would, would really like to have. I mean, he can put the ball anywhere within 10 10- 10 feet of George Pickens, and he's coming down with that football. He's just incredible with the con- contested catches. Uh, Pat Friermuth at tight end, Najee Harris at running back. The Steelers have a, a, a quietly, a nice little thing going here uh, in year two with Kenny Pickett, plus a solid defense. T.J. Watt is back. And Mike Tomlin, that team is always, you know, the the, the floor for them is always like eight or nine wins. Um, so just the, the success of that franchise coupled with the young talent they have, those two great receivers, all that talent on offense, and Kenny Pickett now in his second season. That's a team that not many people are talking about, but I think the Steelers definitely can make some noise in the AFC this year. We, you keep wanting to write them off and, and, and uh, you know, count them off, but the Steelers, they, they always hang around. Mike Tomlin always has his team uh, competitive and in the thick of things. So Kenny Pickett definitely looking smoother in his second season. Got to love that connection with uh, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. And that's a team that I, I definitely think can, can surprise some people this year.
3: Ben Volan joining us here. Ben, of course, um, you kind cut of your, cut your teeth in the league covering the Patriots. Uh, they now have two like, kind of ground and pound between the tackle running backs, but they also have a legit offensive coordinator this year. Questions about their wide receiving core, and of course this is one where, a year where you think Mac Jones has got to get back in the right spaces. Last year he was not. What's, the, what's your perception of what New England's going to throw out there?
6: Yeah, definitely a lot calmer situation in training camp this year. Everyone seems to be on board with Bill O'Brien as compared with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge last year. O'Brien just brings so much more credibility, and everyone's in a good headspace. I look at like Kendrick Gorn, the wide receiver, who was absolutely miserable last year, buried on the depth chart, clashing with the coaches constantly. This year, he's got a smile ear to ear every day, and he's got boundless energy, and he talks about he's in the best shape he's ever been, and he's feeling better than he ever has, and Belichick is praising Kendrick Bourne, and De- Devin McCourty is coming out saying Kendrick Bourne is, is you know in line for a big year this year. Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster. It's an interesting group that the Patriots have collected. There's not a real number one receiver, but the receivers have performed well in camp. They've, I think, outperformed expectations. And a couple of young guys, too, Deshaun Booty and Demario Douglas, they found them in the sixth round. Those guys have thrived during training camp. So the Patriots might not have a number one. They've got a lot of twos and threes and guys who are uh, certainly performing well right now. So, you know, I look at the Patriots. They were a dysfunctional mess uh, on offense last year. They gave away that game against the Raiders with that ridiculous lateral play. They fumbled the game away against the Bengals late. They were still 8-9 despite all that dysfunction and just a couple of plays away from being in that seventh playoff spot. So I think, you know, I don't know if Bill O'Brien's going to be some, like, magic elixir for for Mac Jones in the offense, but I just think the Patriots will probably play smarter football this year. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, is in a much better space than the rest of the offense. Everyone seems to be on board with Bill O'Brien. And I don't think the Patriots are a high-end team, but they could win nine or ten games and get into the playoffs. I, I think that's probably the ceiling for the Patriots. You know, unfortunately around here, people want Super Bowls. And so that's, you know, 9-8 and eight, and a, the number 7 seed isn't always looked at so great around here. But I think that'd be a nice season for the Patriots overall, if they could just get back in the playoffs and get Mac Jones back on track. Uh,
3: we seem to have decided to not discuss the Bills this offseason, right? The Jets have gotten a ton of, of play. The Dolphins, obviously the Patriots some because, as you said, it's a lot calmer camp. Um, last year, everyone I talked to said the the Bills look like the best team. Obviously, that thing fell apart after the the Hamlin injury and into the playoffs. A disappointing showing in the playoffs. What's the outlook in in Orchard Park?
6: Yeah, there, there's just uh, the expectations are just as high this year. This is pretty much their all in season. If it doesn't work out for the Bills this year, I think there are going to be a lot of changes coming to the roster. They're spending over three hundred million dollars cash on this roster this year, you know, veterans like Von Miller and Stefan Diggs and on and on. This is a team loaded with talent, but this is it for them. They've got to make that run. And I agree with you. Last year, you almost have to discard it a little bit at the end of the season because of the DeMar Hamlin situation and how unique that was and how that really did affect some guys. But, look, Josh Allen's back. He's got Diggs. He's got Dawson Knox. Uh, you know, this the defense should be just as good. But this is also a team that has not been able to get over the hump in January and the expectations have gotten to them a little bit. There are issues with Stephon Diggs. It does seem like the only time we're talking about the Bills this off season is because Stephon Diggs has been a little disgruntled and while they're putting a good faith, on it now, and I don't think he wants out, you know, this season, I don't think he wants a trade. Uh, it's a powder keg of a situation and Josh Allen and, and, Offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, definitely have to keep Stefan Diggs happy and keep feeding him the ball because that's, that's the the Bills' best way for success, obviously. Big season for Ken Dorsey. You know, last year I, I thought he, he was a little disjointed at time with the play calling. Josh Allen was playing hero ball a little too much. Can, can he keep the offense going the way that Brian Dable did when he was the offensive coordinator there? So big season for Ken Dorsey and then big season for Sean McDermott. Now that he's taking over the defense, and can he? You know, I'm wondering: is it starting to be like a Tony Dungy, John Gruden situation, where Tony Dungy got the Bucks to a great place, but then they needed uh, John Gruden to get them over the over the top? So Sean McDermott, I think it's a big proving year for him to prove that he can be the right head coach to get the Bills to the Super Bowl. He plastered a giant Lombardi Trophy uh, across their um, practice facility, so the players every day they walk inside the practice uh practice field they see a big lombardi trophy staring at them you usually don't see teams that haven't won one of those things putting up a big poster of a lombardi trophy in their indoor practice facility but those are the stakes this year and and sean mcdermott is uh making sure his players know that nothing short of a championship is going to suffice for the Bills.
3: ben awesome stuff man we're a couple weeks away i and tuesday of course is cut down day there'll be a lot of movement before that in the meantime keep up the great work and thanks so much for joining us in the herd thanks a lot doug All right, this is Ben Volan from the Boston Globe covering the entire league. Let's get to Rhyme Music with the news. No,
4: no, no, no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. All right, Doug. Plenty of great NFL discussion there with Ben. Always love having him on part of the show. We will turn our attention to college football here. As that season is preparing to kick off officially this weekend, Michigan, however, their season does not get underway until next weekend, and it will be without their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, who's under a self-imposed suspension following an alleged recruiting violation. Michigan has officially announced that while Harbaugh serves the suspension, they will work on a four-coach rotation to fill his void. This is like the
3: weirdest story ever, right? <laughs> Four-game suspension, no suspension, three-game suspension—all uh, for COVID year stuff. I uh, I I wish I cared as much as college football people care about this one. I I generally think Harbaugh is about the right things, and I also think that we're, you know, we're going back to the to the crazy COVID times when, you know, I I know some of the rules. I I don't fault a lot of the rules that were in place because we didn't really we didn't know what we're dealing with, right? It's like it's a, it's an impossible enemy when you don't know what you're dealing with. It's like playing against a team you got no tape on. First game of the season if you will. But none of these games appear to be uh, the type of games that can derail Michigan's season. I could be wrong. Right. And the fact that they had they thought it was a four-game suspension for the last couple months before it was no suspension for the last couple weeks probably put preparations in place
4: so they'll be fine the three games that you had referenced is eastern carolina unlv and bowling green it's just a uh, a special kind of humor to find it somewhat funny that the minute harbaugh and michigan have like fully established themselves at the top of the big 10 Everyone's talking about how this could be the year they could truly contend for a championship and then in right. walks the NCAA. Sure. Uh, we'll uh, wrap with this one out of the NFL. Bad news for the Broncos. They're promising young wide receiver Jerry Judy expected to miss some time with a hamstring injury. He suffered in practice. Reports are he'll be out several weeks and his status for their week one game against the Raiders doesn't look great. Good news. There is optimism. He avoided a serious injury that would require him to miss a significant amount of time.
3: Um yes, but it is it's a hamstring injury and they lost another wide receiver as well. Uh, uh Tim this, Patrick. Yeah. I believe is the one you're referring to. So when you're like you're when you're trying to rebuild the confidence of Russell Wilson, <laughs> and it's not like Jerry Judy has been as good as advertised coming out of college, True. and now he's got a hammy. Hammies can be tricky, right? You can feel like you're fine, then you pop it again. So uh, we're thankful it's not significant, but it's not insignificant. It's not let, just because it's not significant; does not make it insignificant. And that's right. Music with the news. Well, that's the news.
1: And thanks for stopping
3: by. The lie news. And, and look, I understand in regards to the Michigan thing. If you're like wait Gottlieb, you've always been a you break NCAA rules, there should be a punishment guy. I, I am, but it's it's basically two NCAA rules of the past, which is like don't buy don't buy players. Right? Don't buy players, and don't change don't don't change their grades. D- those are the only ones that really matter. You know, those ones really really matter. I mean, even you go back to was it when Rich Rod was there and they were practicing too much? Like, come on, man, what are we what are we doing? What are we actually doing? And now it doesn't. You don't have to worry about the first one with the buying players because they all buy players. So just don't change their grades. You know, as long as guys. They don't even go to class. They all, most, many, many of them. Now I do say Michigan, I think, and Notre Dame. Some of these more elite academic schools, kids go to class. But one of the hard things about Michigan, one of the hard things about Notre Dame is, I know Notre Dame. They don't take online classes that transfer. So if you're going to transfer in, you know, you if you've taken online classes during your career, they don't count. It makes it much more difficult to operate in the world of the portal. But that's my feeling with the NCA. It wasn't about buying players, and it wasn't about changing grades, then I, it doesn't really bother me I, I i I wish I could say I was I'm, I'm crazy fed up with it, or they're cheaters, but I don't think anybody actually views it that way. Doug Golly in for Collins, the herd on Fox Sports radio. Why would the dolphins make a play for Jonathan Taylor? I mean other than he's awesome when he's healthy. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9
2: a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand-new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex
0: cdkngco slash vball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
3: Doug Gollybin for Collins, The Herd. The average break in lasts eight to 10 minutes. That's why you need 24 7 live guard protection from Simply Safe. Get 20% off any system when you sign up for a free month trial of fa- fast protect monitoring at simplysafecolin.com. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Doug Gollybin for Collins, This is The Herd here on Fox Sports Trade and the iHeartRadio app. And the latest discussion revolving around Jonathan Taylor is the possibility of a trade to the Miami Dolphins. And of course, the Dolphins have reportedly made some sort of proposal to the Colts. The Colts have have balked at it. Um, Taylor, one would think, would want to be dealt to somebody who wants to play ball on a contract extension, but reportedly he wants to reset the running back market. Good luck with that. On the other hand, like if you're the Dolphins, you're going to take in a guy who wants a gigantic payday when are you really willing to change the market when it's been established you don't need an elite level running back or at least a highly paid running back to win or even compete I mean like I understand the Chiefs have Pat Mahomes, but they missed on Clyde Edwards lair. they hit on Isaiah Pacheco, who's the seventh round pick, and then when Pacheco gets to the point where he's going to want to get paid, they probably bring in somebody else. That's how the business works so it it's fast, but to me it's the they know they have to know on some level what they have. And th- there's also this. It's like, okay, Mike McDaniel comes from San Francisco. And the San Francisco model has been rookie contract, rookie contract money, and if you're going to overpay, overpay for even for running back. Like they got Christian McCaffrey. It's wildly overpaid in that contract. Not because he wasn't great when he got it and he had not missed a game his first three years in Carolina. Oh yeah. By the way, Carolina actually became better running the football last year after they traded him than when they had him. But you know, it's a copy of a copy, copycat league. You look at what San Francisco's done. They had a rookie quarterback not making a ton of money, so they went out and kind of overspent on some other pieces. Maybe they maybe it overpaid to, De- to Debo. Okay, a definite overpay when they had to trade for Christian McCaffrey. But you can do it, and you can withstand it if you have a quarterback not making a ton of money, that's what the Dolphins have. Which also makes you scratch your head and go, okay, they didn't pick up the the fifth-year option on Tua. This becomes like make-or-break year for Tua. Make-or-break year for Tua. Can he stay healthy? Can he show that he can take a hit, knows how to fall? And then I think the next step is, can he throw outside the numbers when it actually matters? But I'm intrigued because also Jonathan Taylor has a legit ankle injury. Trading for a guy you don't know how healthy is. His motivation is to get to get paid. I mean, he'll get paid. He'll get a new contract. Will he get $16 million plus a year? I, I don't see that. Despite the fact that you could easily make the case when healthy, he's the best young running back in the league. Now, I've been sized young because, you know, there's just an attrition to it. And you get to 27, 28, and people are like, eh. He's not there. It's not there. That would be a freaky talented team, but as as much you know, you got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and I would be interested to see what the Colts feel like they're deserving of, and would Taylor be willing to pay play without a contract extension, or if he got a contract extension, would he be willing to take one that's not resetting the the, the running back market, not the running back market. Anybody else? Are you guys excited for college football? I I am. There's something about college football which kind of refreshes and resets your whole mind, you know. And it's not because it's the best football. As a matter of fact, early season college football is really not good. And I would guess that the play this year is really kind of funky and disjointed. I mean, if you consider this logic, many teams have been rebuilt year after year with the portal, especially the elite level teams. Like, we're going to see Notre Dame and Navy. Obviously, Navy, they don't play in the portal, but they do have a new coaching staff. Uh, Notre Dame has added some, including their quarterback from the portal, but not nearly as much. But when you get to a lot of these teams in the Big 12, ACC, and others, half the team's going to be new. That's going to be funky. Has Kenny Pickett shown us enough to think he's a franchise quarterback in Pittsburgh? We'll discuss next in the Hurt.